This is Influencing Insider, the weekly webinar that interviews Australia and New Zealand's best journalists about how they like to work with communications professionals. To view our complete library of episodes and register for the live shows, head to influencing.com forward slash insider. Hello and welcome to Influencing Insider. I'm your host, Elliot Richardson, and welcome to our first episode of 2022. And joining me today is the Gold Lizzie winner himself, David Browie. So I'm just bringing David online at the moment. If this is the first time watching a show, welcome. You can ask questions to David during it. Just uh, go to the right-hand side of your screen and there should be a little option there uh, that says chat and you can drop any questions into the chat box. So David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Elliot. Great to be here. Um, you know, thanks again for, for jumping on, especially after your, your big win at the end of the year last year. Um, so for anyone who's not fully aware of what you do, um, what is it? Well, uh, so uh, basically, it's all, of course, it's all tech, uh, tech writing. I've been freelancing since 1997, for goodness sake. Uh, and uh, that's like two centuries, right? So uh, that's... <laughs> uh, two and, millennia. Uh, yeah, two millennia, that's right. Uh, so we could uh, straddle those. Um, and yeah, basically, uh, it's, it's all been tech. Uh, I, I mean, it really a bit of everything, uh, I think, in terms of what areas I cover. Uh, it, uh, right now, I do quite a lot in security, but uh, over the years, it's been telecoms, it's been networking, a lot of, um, a lot of strategy writing, management strategy, um, really cloud, you know, boy, it, it, over the years, there's, there's been a hot topic and uh, you kind of layer that onto all the other stuff. So basically, if people say, what do you write about? The answer generally is everything, uh, which, which keeps it interesting. And where do you, who do you write for most commonly? So I've got a few uh, regular outlets. One of them is, uh, is Information Age, which, uh, which is a lot of fun because it's, uh, it's got a really broad remit. So I could be writing about uh, you know, the telecoms things one day. And this week it was a, a story about CES and the finger-sucking robot, things like that. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't seen it, don't worry. It's, uh, it's not as strange as it sounds or possibly a little bit more strange than it sounds, depending on your perspective. Look it up. Uh, but uh, that you know, so that, that's a lot of fun because it keeps it very interesting. Um, I also write regularly for CSO as well, uh, CSO Australia. So it's quite a lot of security there. Um, I uh, do security stuff for Cybercrime Magazine, which is online. It's a US-based uh, publication. Uh, I also uh, am quite a regular with um, with the uh, ASA Cyber Today, which is a, uh, a sort of a, a magazine form uh, publication that's done a few times a year. And uh, I've also been writing quite a lot for uh, for Women in Security Magazine, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, really exploring some of the diversity issues and, uh, and uh, inclusion uh, that, that have been going on in the industry. And that's within the context of cyber as well. Uh, so it is, I mean, it's mostly probably 75% of my time is, is uh, cybersecurity. The rest of it could be basically anything uh, that, that comes up in, in the course of a week. And what's kind of your split there between your day-to-day news and those longer pieces for the magazines? Uh, it, it, again, it just depends on the week, really. Um, I <laughs> Some of my editors will tell you that even the short news pieces end up being feature length, which is a point of discussion. Uh, that's what happens when you hire a feature writer to do your to do your freelance and your news. But um, the uh, look in in terms of formal um, features, it's it's probably about a, a sixty forty, I'd say, uh, split. Uh, there's, there's always there's always features to do. 
Uh, so I'm always working on something long form, but um, you know, in ter- certainly in terms of uh, particularly information age, that's twice a week where uh, we've got deadlines pretty frequently. So um, that is uh, that accounts in terms of the sheer number of stories, uh, probably about 60% of, uh, of what I'm doing. And then, but it, there's always stuff in the back of my head about the longer form things. And uh, I'm always gathering information for them, even as I'm doing other things, I'll always make a note of, of stuff that's related to the features that, uh, that, are, that are coming up. Thank you, Doug. Uh, we've actually got a couple of um, audience questions coming in and they're a little more specific about uh, what you cover and what you don't cover. So Renee asks, do you write about emerging technologies such as blockchain? Absolutely. Yeah. So blockchain is one of the big ones, so particularly in the in the IA space. Um, we love to talk about blockchain and, uh, and crypto as a sort of offshoot of that. So definitely, yeah, love, love to hear about that. And I know there's quite a lot of innovation in blockchain. Uh, it's being adapted to different applications and different industries and such. So uh, I do love to hear about it. And uh, yeah, by all means, send those through. I think that's going to be one of the, uh, for better or worse, one of the defining conversations, you know, that we're having in tech these days. And it's going to continue right through this year. And Leanne, Leanne asks, hi, David, do you conduct tech reviews for any of the publications you work across? So reviews, is uh, I'm a little bit ambivalent about reviews. I used to do them more frequently, uh, used to meaning probably uh, you know, sort of 10, 20 years ago, I, I was doing a lot more reviews. Um, I, I haven't been as much of a reviewer as a lot of my, my colleagues who have got it down to a you know, fine art, I think. Um, I, part of that's probably because you know, working from home, I, I think I looked around once and there were about three TVs in the living room, about big boxes <laughs> waiting to be picked up. And I thought, this is just a lot of work. So I don't do, I'm not, I'm not the go-to person for reviews. Um, what I ended up doing uh, for, for quite a number of years was basically I would do reviews where there was some uh, sort of one particular technology that I really found to be engaging or important. Uh, something that I read about or maybe something I bought that I, you know, I just thought this is cool and I've got to tell everybody about it. Uh, but these days I haven't been doing much reviewing uh, just because it's, uh, it, it requires a certain setup and a lot of people have very custom built benches and, and this sort of thing. And uh, that's, that's not me. So not so much. Um, we'll move on to, to Susan's question. Salvatore, I will come back to you. Um, Su- Susan asks, uh, hi, David, security is such a broad topic. What do you see as the big topics you're likely to look at within cybersecurity this year? Again, everything, but uh, just to narrow it down a little bit, I mean, ransomware is one of the things we've been talking about a lot. I think you can't get away from the fact that that's very, really uh, stealing the discussion. Uh, so that's that that just keeps popping up its head. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about the human element, uh, which is, I mean, that's that's part of that conversation as well, but that's, that's really a big deal. Uh, you know, there's a lot of this sort of simmering conversation about nation state exposure and some of the, the especially with the critical infrastructure that's been going on. Uh, so I've, I think I've been writing a fair bit about uh, some of the changes that the government's been putting in place and how the industry has been responding to the critical infrastructure issues. Uh, and that, that ties in with the, the sort of exposure to nation state things. So uh, I think those are going to really be defining the discussion uh, unless, you know, unless one of these uh, cyber criminals thinks of something else to torture us all with, in which case I'm sure we'll be all over it. But yeah, really, I mean, you know, ransomware, nation states, uh, human element, and yeah, they, I, I think these are, things that we keep coming back to in different ways. And uh, Leanne asks, do you cover non-digital tech like ag tech or biotech? Um, we, it depends on the story. Uh, we're definitely, definitely happy to do. I think a, a lot of times when it comes down, uh, you know, so that would be very much a, uh, like an information age sort of area. I mean, their, their remit is broader, uh, talking about uh, innovation and, and tech. And, and I think it, certainly we'll have to hear about it. You know, I can't guarantee anything, but uh, it, it, it's definitely something that, 
if there's an innovative application of the technology, there can often be a case if there's a good story to to pull together a story about that. Um, what I'll do is uh, is you know once I have uh, I guess enough of a, a shape in my head about how the story would go, I'll pitch it and you know see what happens. And uh, and it, you know if it sticks, then uh, then we can go ahead with it. Uh, if not, I might tuck it away for a while and come back to it later on. So uh, it's it's always worth pitching stuff like ag tech. I think that's uh, that's very important to. Uh, yeah, as, as a sort of an offshoot of a lot of the things we're talking about, uh, and particularly something like IoT, which is another another perennial security issue, uh, or an, and uh, you know, a perennial tech issue, I think. So yeah, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, if, if nothing happens, that's that's how it is. But yeah, definitely still happy to hear about them. And Robert asks, hi, David, what's your impression of how well Australian businesses have responded to Log4j? He worries that it got lost over Christmas, New Year's. Yeah, it's uh, I haven't I haven't been hearing a lot yet. I'm just getting up to speed with uh, with where everybody is with it, uh, and uh, and a lot of us are just back this week. Uh, so it's uh, picking up and catching up with what's been going on. And uh, the fact that we haven't heard a lot about it, uh, I suspect, means that there are a lot of people that really uh, did miss it in the, in the break. I think that it's it's really bad timing you know, for for something like that to come up. And uh, I suspect there'll be a lot of people catching up with the news and going, oh. Okay, uh, so and uh, so a lot of CISOs out there that are uh, probably in panic mode at the moment. Uh, I suspect probably over the next few weeks we may hear a bit more about it, uh, particularly if someone gets gets done as a result of not having uh, fixed that. But that's I think that's going to be uh, one of the one of the headliners as well this year, certainly in terms of specific vulnerabilities and issues that have that have come up because that was a, that's a pretty big one, and you know it's. Uh, people know. I mean, we had this with Solar Winds, where um, where it came out, everybody panicked, and then uh, I think the the real exposure was really became uh, it sort of became evident over the next few months. Uh, Nadia asks, Nadia asks, uh, what topics in cloud and or tech more generally are you looking forward to writing about this year? Looking forward to. Uh, so uh, I think a lot of the cloud stuff. Uh, we are well past the point of talking about wow, isn't cloud great? Um, particularly from my context. Uh, a lot of it's about cloud security and how do you make sure that uh, going, you know, putting everything into the cloud doesn't just uh, expose you to the world, uh, which has uh, not always been a foregone conclusion. We had all the stuff with the containers getting getting hacked or, uh, I guess, uh, made freely available is is the way that some people put it. But uh, that that sort of thing I think is still very important uh, in terms of the the discussions that people are having. Um, yeah, that, so that, that will be interesting to see how people respond to that in, in a cloud context. Uh, I think uh, in terms of the, the transformation that's been going on, there's going to be a lot of discussions about that as well and how mature that is. Because I think, you know, the first, uh, the first few years of, of COVID, really people were forced to kind of scramble a bit uh, to, to change the business. And uh, this, this, I think, will be probably a year of reckoning where they, they re- look back and say, okay, we, you know, we did this, we're still operating our employees are going to be home and, and that's just how it is. What, you know, what have we done and, and perhaps what did we do a little bit too, uh, too exuberantly and we now need to deal with. So but that's going to be one of the ones that I'm looking forward to seeing how that happens. Uh, yeah, really just following the pace of innovation. I always, uh, I always enjoy it. You know, I just look forward to seeing, seeing what comes up uh, in that context. But uh, really, I think the underwriting theme will be that, uh, that recovery from, from two years of, of huge disruption and, and kind of where we go from here. And uh, Deanna asks, are you interested in defense-related tech? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There, there's quite a lot of innovation going on there, uh, particularly in a cyberspace. We, we, you know, we hear a lot about uh, some of the guidance that they're doing. I think the defense has been really involved in setting standards and, 
and um, you know, a lot of the regulatory changes going on has been been led at a defense level. Uh, in terms of defense tech, yeah, love to hear about it. Uh, you know, it's uh, we, we, I don't cover defense specifically, but in defense in, in a tech context, there's no reason we, we we wouldn't. So if you've got it, send it over. Love to hear about it. So I'll go back to, to Salvatore's original question now. Uh, during your career, you've had a lot of success. Um, how much of it, or how crucial has been your relationships with PRs to that success? Oh, I think it's it's just hugely important, you know. Um, and it, I know that it's uh, it's a slightly different thing because I've always been down here in Melbourne, and uh, I haven't had that day to day interaction. Which I mean, obviously, like the past couple of years, uh, no, nobody has. But you know, there's there's a lot going on in Sydney that I wasn't part of. Uh, so I do rely a lot on uh, on a lot of the, the PRs to keep the information coming, let me know what's going on. Uh, you know, I've got great relationships with with quite a lot of uh, people in the PR community, so I really value those. Uh, as a way of, uh, of, of just, yeah, staying in a loop, really. And uh, I, I think, you know, that even though I can't use a lot of the stuff there uh, that, that comes through, it does keep me sort of uh, refreshed in my mind about what's going on. And, I, you know, I tuck things away from later on. So there's quite a lot of, a lot of that. Uh, but, you know, yeah, it, it would be uh, a very empty day if I, if I didn't have this constant stream of, uh, of support and contact and, uh, and information coming through. So yeah, definitely, it's a it's a it's a great uh, great relationship and very important to keep that. And just building on that, Eliza's got a question. She asks: Journalists seem to be increasingly time poor and less open to catch ups. What advice would you give to PRs trying to build their relationships with journalists? Uh, I'm the the king of uh, not being able to catch up. <laughs> time time poor is uh, is probably my middle name, and um, considering changing it to my first as well. Uh, so uh, yeah, the, the catch ups uh, are a challenge. I, I mean, I, I certainly remember when uh, back when I was in Sydney and the, the quite long, luxurious lunches and uh, the, the the catch up. I find it's just it's very hard to do, even in a virtual sense. We have that connectivity, uh, but uh, it is hard to. Uh, to do that, um, I, I suspect just keep trying. You know, there are, there are people that can do it. There are people that just can't. Uh, that uh, that their time is uh, is just so uh, hard to come by that it that can be a challenge. Um, I, I I'm limited in terms of the hours, and so I tend not to uh, to spend more time than I need to. Uh, you know, catching up, as it were. Uh, if you know, if if it suits, or there's something really exciting happening, more than happy to. Um, I can be hard to reach on the phone sometimes even because uh, not, not that I'm uh, trying to avoid anybody or anything, but there's only so many hours in the day and, and I often find that I just need those, those chunks of time to produce words. And, uh, and so a lot of times that happens. Um, so I think, yeah, really in terms of what advice I would give, everybody's different. Every journalist has a different way of working. Um, for people that, uh, that, that, that suits and if they have the time, by all means, just uh, continue it. Uh, for someone like me, I, I always find the emails are, are the best way to lead in. And then if there's something that uh, I need to follow up on or we need more time, I'll definitely get in touch uh, to, to do that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that you learn. And I think over time you, you learn who's easier to, uh, to get a hold of and who's not. Uh, Salvatore's got a, another question. He asks, what's your view on the security aspects and potential security risks that surround invasive AI, blockchain, crypto, and the metaverse? Oh, boy. <laughs> this is, this uh, is a lot in that question, Salvatore. <laughs> That's all right. I would expect nothing less. Um, the, uh, the, the security aspects, I mean, are, are, are certainly going to be huge. And I think the real challenge this year is that we're starting to get to the point, I mean, the, the blockchain has, has been taken in so many directions and so many applications. We really need to make sure that the integrity of the systems is there as well, that they're, that are using them. You can't just put it on blockchain and say, oh, well, it's secure and it's fine. 
because of course that's not not how it is at all. Um, you know, we're seeing also things like NFTs, which uh, I'm still trying to figure out how that how that can uh, make sense. But um, you know, some people are, are getting very excited about that. Uh, but you know, that's that's relying on the same fundamental technologies. But it raises a whole new set of issues um, around security, around uh, you know the financial the investment that's being put in there and the risk. So I think that's really the the issue that that these will all converge on is is it being an issue of risk and being uh, I guess uh, raising a lot of uh, concerns about governance. Uh, you know, we're starting to see, for example, the um, APRA is looking clo more closely at at something like uh, the crypto and, and um, the Reserve Bank is talking about crypto and all that. They're trying to sort of put the constraints on to make sure that that risk is managed. But of course, this is tech and new risk is uh, is the order of the day, I think, most of the time. So the, the security will be among those risks. And I think people really just need to go into these new applications, really just aware of what, what their exposure is and what they need to be doing. And Louisa asks, uh, so she works with SecureWorks and Ubico, and they're looking at topics around preventing online scams and providing phishing-resistant protection for businesses for these clients. Is any of those of interest? Uh, phishing, online scams and such, definitely important. Um, we tend to, uh, what do I do with that? That tends to be something driven by by the numbers. You know, we get the, the sort of the monthly, the quarterly updates and things. Um, usually when, I mean, it's, it's background noise in many ways uh, to... Uh, to here, we always know that there are going to be more and they're going to be terrible and people lose a lot of money. So in, in that sense, it's not news in itself, but I think that uh, when I'm usually when I'm sitting back and writing more trend pieces, uh, that's more of a feature length engagement. Uh, I can pull those, that sort of information in as a, a supporting statistic, for example, or uh, that sort of information as opposed to it being, being newsy. Uh, but of course, the, there is always a, a news angle as well. If there's a particular sort of um, scam coming or, or that sort of thing, that's really become very, very popular. I mean, for example, during the, the first days of COVID, there was quite a lot of writing about uh, all the, the scams with the delivery scams and um, and the romance scams that picked up as well. I think when everybody was in ISO and just kind of reaching out. So uh, it really depends. I think is is a thing, and that's probably not very helpful, but. <laughs> <laughs> It depends, I think, is the way. Uh, but it's, you know, again, it's uh, it's always good, I think, to have that information and, and the details about new things coming through. Uh, really, uh, I suppose, uh, getting it out there, and then it, it often finds it finds a home, and it might be weeks later or or months later. We've got a couple more audience questions to get through, and then one or two more for me. So Jess asks, um, what's your go-to news sources to stay in the loop? Uh, so go to news sources. I, gosh, I read a lot of news. Um, so I, uh, what do I do? I mean, I, I read the regular news normally. So ABC, uh, I will, I, I tend to sort of gravitate to that because it's, it's pretty straightforward news and what's going on. Um, I read the, you know, the overseas, uh, CNN, the, uh, the, uh, the Guardian, uh, these sorts of, you know, BBC, whatever, whatever are the sort of the major brands, New York Times from the US news, uh, typically things get reflected there. Uh, now those are all conventional uh, news sources, which I'm sure someone's noted. Um, I, I really, uh, I do a lot of like a, a lot of Google news. So you're getting the aggregation. So hopping over to the Engadget and the Gizmodos and things as well as the stories come up. Uh, so I'm not, uh, I, I think I, I just kind of, I go down the rabbit hole and see where it takes me a lot of times with news. And um, I try to, to keep up to date. Um, I've got notifications coming all the time because of Apple news. Uh, so that has uh, sort of by default become a, uh, a channel of, uh, of, you know, a conduit for the news that's coming in. 
and uh, when things happen, I, I see that, and then I'll, I'll go and check it out a bit more. Uh, so I don't know, like there's a, a story um, out now about uh, 5G and how the airlines are worried that that's going to now crash all the planes or what have you. Uh, that sort of thing pops up on my screen, and I'll say, "Oh, that's interesting." Uh, so it is. It is. Uh, the, I, I just try to keep across a bit of everything, I think, to, to just be aware of what's going on. And then, it, especially with a lot of the writing, a lot of the page two writing, uh, or just, sorry, day two writing that I'm doing, um, is it, 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 you're aggregating facts and things that are going on. So I might've just read about some little newsy thing that's happened and, and, and pull that in later on. So it's a, it's always, it, it, it's a constant stream, I think, of, of information as probably everybody is dealing with. And uh, Leanne asks, are you happy to receive media releases regarding product launches? Um, definitely happy to do. Um, product launches uh, don't tend to be something that get a lot of traction with me. It's nothing about the products, but it's just in terms of the, the type of writing that I'm doing. Um, the yeah, Usually the, the release of a product is not something that, that ends up being newsworthy in my context uh, because it is, as I said, it's the, the day two sort of stuff. It's, it's more the, the analytical part of it. Um, Typically, and, and because there's so many products, I tend not to focus on them. I, used, I probably used to do that a bit more uh, when I was writing a lot of networking or telecom stuff. And, you know, if you're writing about it, switches or whatever, then, then obviously you need to mention product, uh, but I'm not doing that as much now. Uh, definitely, I mean, in, in terms of releases, uh, I'm, I'm always happy to get them. Uh, if you don't hear back from me after a release, it's not because uh, I uh, am just uh, completely ignoring it. But it usually means that there just isn't a place for it uh, at the time. And so I've just had to put it aside. Um, don't worry. If, if I need anything further, I definitely will get in touch. Uh, we, I, get, I always get a lot of the, uh, you know, did you receive this release phone calls, which is, you know, I appreciate your following up, but there are a lot of them. Uh, so, yeah, if, if I do need more, then, uh, then I'll definitely let you know. Uh, sometimes, you know, if people send through reports and things like that, I love to get, you know, sort of updated reports and, and uh, things as I come out. People are pretty good about, uh, about sending those through. And uh, sometimes I'll use them without even mentioning uh, that I'm going to or what have you. And I know all the media monitoring uh, will we'll pick those up eventually. Uh, but, yeah, send things through. The worst that happens is I click delete and never hear anything back. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you uh, you may hear from me, and uh, you know, and, and usually I will uh, I'll follow up if I if I need a specific thing or if there is an opportunity for a spokesperson, I'll definitely let you know. Okay, so regarding follow ups, you're more likely to follow up a pitch that you'd like, and you're not quite keen on on a PRs following up their pitches. Yeah, it doesn't um, it doesn't change things generally when when PRs are following up. Uh, I know it's part of the um, part of what you need to do, and so that, you know, I totally respect that. But um, it doesn't usually if you, if I've gotten it, which I, I usually have, um, then I, yeah, I'll follow up definitely. So there's uh, there's no no need to stress if you haven't heard from me. If you need to tick the box and and uh, you know that you've called me, give me a call, and, uh, and if uh, if you can get me, absolutely fine. But um, I, I will I will still action it even if we haven't spoken if uh, if I need it. Yeah. But, yeah. And just finally, what's the best email we can catch you on? Well, that's always been the same. It's super easy, as long as you can spell my name, david at braui.com. That's B-R-A-U-E, if you're taking notes. And no uh, worries. Uh, very, very easy. That's, uh, that's been the way, and uh, that's my huge uh, inbox. Uh, it does occasionally, things do occasionally disappear uh, in there, and I might find them later. So uh, apologies if that happens, but I, I, I am probably more connected than I should be. So typically I'll see it, and if anything that, that – 
catches my interest, I, I, I tend to make some sort of note that I need to come back to this. So don't, yeah, don't worry. No worries. David, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. No worries. We'll catch you later. Take care. And thank you very much for joining us this afternoon on Influencing Insider. That was David Browie. He's the reigning Gold Lizzie's winner. Uh, as always, you can catch the replay of this in your inbox a little bit later this afternoon, or you can, or you can visit influencing.com forward slash insider. If you're, a, if you're signed up to Influencing, you've already got access to that, or you can get this as a podcast. That'll be up a little bit later today. Just search Influencing Insider wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week on Thursday because Wednesday is a public holiday. It's Australia Day. So until then, I'm Elliot Richardson. Goodbye for now.